much today. Wow. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, it's good to be here. Uh, I definitely need to second that thank you for the pastor's appreciation donations you all gave. That was really, really a blessing to my family as well as Noah's. So we thank you guys so much for all you've done for us. And, you know, also I need to thank somebody else. I don't know who exactly it is though. So I mean, if you if you did this, you can raise your hand. But uh, today I was back in the bathroom. I was in one of the stalls, and somebody else came in when they walked out. They turned off the light. I really, really appreciate that. I appreciate you too, man. Yeah, it's always fun when you're sitting there and all of a sudden the lights go out. It's wonderful. Okay. That's right. That's right. Oh, man. My voice is getting worse, actually. It was getting better earlier today. I guess worship kind of took it out of me. But you know, it's great worshiping God. I mean, really, I think that's what being Christian is all about. I mean, it's a relationship with God. Worship is one of the biggest forms of that. You know, preaching... You know, hearing preaching, that's, help, that's something to help edify you. But sometimes I feel like, even when I preach, that I put God in a little box, you know, and that by my words, I limit God, you know. Yeah, you can turn that down some. Can you guys hear me still? Good? All right, I'll just stay out in front of the speakers. But, you know, I feel like sometimes we limit God in what we say, and, you know, sometimes after that, we have to just get him back out of the box, you know, that we, you take the hay and leave the sticks, Pastor, to tell me sometimes, you know. But uh, if you hear something I say that doesn't seem right to you, you know, you can talk to me about it, you can pray to God about it, you know, but take what's good out of it, and, you know, let it lead you to worship God more. That's my desire from anything that I say to you guys, so today I'm going to be talking to you guys from Luke chapter 5, verse 36 uh, through 39, if you guys want to go ahead and start opening up your Bibles, but in this verse, Jesus has given a parable about wine. You know, wine is used a lot in the Bible. Some people say that wine is actually, in the Bible, it's just grape juice. Well, Personally, I disagree because, I mean, in some of the references, they talk about giving it to sick people and how it'll make them feel better. Well, grape juice doesn't really make you feel any better. Especially if you're sick, you're probably just going to end up throwing it up. But, you know, so, so God was talking about wine. All right. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, I don't think. That, uh, you know, the Bible does talk about drunkenness being a sin. And that's right. That's right. You know, you should not be intoxicating yourself. You should not be trying to change your state. If you need, if you, if you feel you need that and you can't get through your life without it, you know, well, guess what? There's someone else who can help you. It's not all up to alcohol. There's Jesus. And Jesus can help you through the hard times, through the rough times. And you don't need to turn instead to alcohol. You know? But, you know, myself, I do drink a little wine. I'm just going to say that. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I may get stoned for this or I may get thanked for it. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But my wife and I, when, when my wife's not pregnant, you know, we sometimes will drink a little wine. We're very careful about how much we drink, especially since we are in ministry and we don't want to be, you know, accused of drunkenness or something, we'd, we'd probably drink like, you know, this much of a, a cup or something, you know, it's, it's very little. The amount I've had would probably add up to a bottle, the amount I've had in my life, you know. So I'm not a drunk, I'm just going to say that, and uh, say what you will, but, you know, you know we, we also are not, you know, wine connoisseurs or something, we're not experts at it, and, uh, you know, we usually will drink the cheap stuff, the, you know, rosé, $3 bottles of wine, you know, the wonderful, wonderful... And uh, one day we went and we tried to, you know, we decided we'd get a darker wine and we were just at Target, okay? And you know, we, we went over there and we saw this one. It was like, what was it? It was like cackling goose or something. It was just this weird little wine. Let's see. I don't even have it written down anymore. Oh, it was the, it was a loon, not a, not a goose. I don't know. But we decided to get that and we got it back to the house, you know, opened it up, poured a little bit in our glass and just 
started to take a sip of it. Man, that stuff was strong, burned like crazy. It was the worst wine I've ever had in my life. Like, it had no good flavor to it at all. It was just bitter all the way down. And uh, it was just disgusting. But in this verse, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus is talking about old wine and new wine. And in verse 36, it says, He told them this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old one. If he does, he will, have a new, he will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the, the skins, and the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. You know, as the wine expands, as it's uh, fermenting. And uh, no new wine must be poured into new wine. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new wine. And it, uh, this is from the NIV, but in, if you read the other versions, it says right away. They don't want the wine right away after drinking old wine. For he says, the old is better. And you know, what I think part of what he's talking about here is, you know, he came to bring, you know, new wine. The, the Jews that had an old covenant with Jesus, that, with God, you know, that they could come to God, but they had to come to him with sacrifices, and they had to come to him, you know, only the priest could actually come into his presence. And... He came to bring something new. He came to pour out his spirit in a new way. And the religious people of his day weren't ready for it. They were what he would call the old wineskins. That they weren't ready for him to pour out his new spirit because they, they were so, they had just had the old stuff. They had gotten so full of that old time religion that they didn't want to, you know, let go of it and let God have his way. And you know, we're, I don't know if there's any Jews in here or not, probably not. But if, you may not have grown up in a Jewish culture, but you have grown up in a Christian culture maybe. And a lot of people that have grown up in the church I've gotten a hold of that same thing to where they've started to no longer let God have his way. They no longer want to follow God or let God do a new thing because they're so busy holding on to the old thing. They're so busy holding on to this the way we used to do it. And, you know, if God tries to move a different way, then they're just, no, I'm not going that way. You know, maybe they'll leave the church sometimes, you know. And so I want to tell you about, you know, what, what is this new wine that God wants to give us? First of all, you know, the new wine's not something different. The Bible says that God never changes. That God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means that, you know, his love for you, he's never going to just all of a sudden one day wake up and say, well, you know what, I just don't love Noah anymore. I, I kind of hate him, honestly. You're never going to have to be afraid that, you know, what God had told you yesterday was a good thing to do, that suddenly that's a sin. You know, he just rewrote the Ten Commandments all of a sudden. God stays the same. And so, you know, you can't go in and throw new stuff into the Bible. You can't go in and throw new stuff into Christianity, start rewriting stuff, you know, make this okay and that wrong. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about rewriting Christianity in any way. But yeah, the new wine, first of all, is fresh. And uh, it's new every morning. You know, the Bible says that his love, his mercies, his compassion are new every morning. You know, have you ever, I don't know, Thanksgiving just passed, right? Okay. Now I know I always talk about food. I'm going to do it again today. But Thanksgiving just passed. And when you get ready for Thanksgiving, obviously what you're thinking about is food. I mean, that's what... That's what Thanksgiving is really all about, honestly. You can say it's about giving thanks, but they were giving thanks for food on that day, okay? You know, so, so that day comes, and you're just all excited about the food. You, you know, you got turkey, you got whatever your favorite dish is, you got pumpkin pie, and you're excited about eating. You know, but even as you're eating it, as you're getting near the end, you're already thinking about leftovers. You're like, yeah, we're going to have a lot of leftovers. You're looking around, you're like, man, we did not eat anything. The fridge is going to be full. We're going to be eating for a month off leftovers. And you're just getting excited about it. You start thinking, you got your last piece of turkey in your mouth, and you're thinking already, bread, mayonnaise, turkey, sandwich. Turkey sandwich. Yes, I believe so. 
And you're, you know, you're already, you don't even have to pray for a month over your meals because you've already sat there and done your prayer for each one. God, thank you for this cheesecake meal. I know it should not be a whole meal, but your mercies endure forever and I won't tell if you won't tell. You know, and you know, you're so excited about these leftovers. You haven't even finished your food yet. And, but you know, a couple days go by. The next day, you're still so excited. You have turkey for breakfast. Then you have turkey for lunch and turkey for dinner. And the next day, you got turkey again. You know, by the end of like the second day after Thanksgiving, you're just like, maybe we should go out to eat. You know, all you got in your fridge now is leftovers. You can't go shopping because it's full. And you're just like, we could go out to eat or we could save money and eat these delicious leftovers. Yes. And man, we had this, this Thanksgiving, Whitney's parents came over and her brother and his girlfriend came over and they wanted, to, they wanted to deep fry one of the turkeys. So we had a couple of turkeys, and then they weren't sure if that would be enough, so we had a ham. I don't know exactly. But we, so we had a couple turkeys and a ham, and by the time it was left over, you know, I mean, we had bags of food. And you know, we ate it for a few days, and it was delicious, wonderful, but then, like I said, we got sick of it. And, you know, stopped eating the turkey, started eating out every meal. I mean, we got so sick of it, honestly. I mean, we threw away, and this is going to sound horrible, I know, we threw away a whole pie that was never even touched. And I know that sounds like a sin. Some of you guys probably want to, I mean, seriously, just kill me right now for saying that. I know, if, I know if Cameron was here, he'd be upset. I remember we threw out some two-year-old bat boxes of chips from over at the youth room. And he was just, no, don't do it. I'll eat them, I'll eat them. I'm like, no. They're growing worms. Worms didn't even get in. They're growing in there. And, uh, you know, so we threw away a whole pie. I, felt, I still feel a little guilty about it. My conscience is little messed up, but you know, we, by the time, by, before we even threw out our leftovers, Christmas was already on its way, and a couple weeks ago we had our Christmas party for our youth, or we had a Christmas service over there, we always have food uh, on Wednesday nights, so this night we're like, well, let's make a ham, so we still had leftover ham, but I'm not, not going to bring that, but, so I made them a new ham, and man, I was cooking it, and it just, you know, it had the honey glaze just dripping off, and it looked so good and so delicious, and I wanted it, you know, but I'm like, in the fridge, there's leftover ham still. It's just not the same. It wasn't. That, that ham was good, I'm telling you, when we had it that night. But, uh, you know, if I had brought the old ham and the old turkey leftovers to youth group on Wednesday night, what would it have been like? Yay, thank you, you know. Yeah, here's some of the old stuff, you know. But, you know, so many times that's what we do in the world, that we go out there and we've got our old-time religion and, you know, we've been chewing on this for Twelve and a half years. Here you go. You want some? And you're like, it's disgusting, you know? God doesn't change, but the world has changed. The world's changed a lot in the last 2,000 years. You know, I mean, things are different. You know, and the church today is not the same at all as the church around Jesus' time, the, the church that the apostles started. Everything has changed, you know? And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Things have to change. We have to change our methods to be able to reach out to new people. But because if we offer them that same old turkey, month old, you know, growing worms on it, they're not going to want it. And the same thing for us. When we keep eating the old thing, when God's offering us all this new stuff, he says, I have something new for you. I have something fresh for you. But you're so busy just eating the leftovers, you know. So we have to let go of that and accept what God's got for us, the new wine. That, you know, wine's not something different the next year. It's still the same thing, but it's fresh. It's made for today. It's made to order, you know. You don't want to go to McDonald's and get a burger from yesterday. It's no good. You don't want to go to, like, you know, in the malls, they have the samples when you walk by Chinese food restaurants and holding them out. How would you like that if they're just like, here, this is last month's, try it. 
Yeah, you're going to eat there, right? Yeah. But um, Next, God's new wine is inexhaustible. It's never going to run out. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, there's the story of the manna. i got to flip through my notes here a bit. But in the Old Testament, the, the Hebrews, had, the Jewish people, had been uh, rescued from Egypt, where they had been slaves. And God had brought them out. And, you know, immediately, as soon as they're across the river, their enemies have been destroyed. They got out free. They've been slaves for all this time. Now they're free, and they're being taken to a land that God said would be flowing with milk and honey. And they're already across the river, and they just start complaining right then. But, you know, this happens for 40 years. They go around in a circle in a desert that they could just, if they just lined up in a straight line, could fit across. And they go around in circles, lost. And all this time, they're complaining. That's why God never brought them here. They kept complaining. And one day they're like, they're sitting there out in the desert, you know, and they're like, well, I just wish we were slaves again. You know, over there we had good food every morning, we had good food at night, you know. I just wish I was slaves. I don't care if they whip me. And, you know, God got upset about it, but he, but he was merciful still. And he was gracious. And he said that he was going to send them, you know, his meat in the morning and some other food in the, I'm sorry, meat at night and another food in the morning. And when they came out in the morning the next day, they saw that all these white flakes had covered the ground. And it looked like frost, they said. So they started to pick it up, you know, and like, what is it? And hold on a second. Okay. At my work the other day, I was just there, and this guy's like, hey, Israel, you want some puppy chow? I'm like, what is this? Puppy chow? You know, what do you, how do you react to that at first? You're like, okay, he's calling me a dog, or maybe hinting at puppy love. I don't roll that way, so I'm married, and uh, no thanks. No thanks, man. I don't, I don't think I want any puppy chow. He's like, no, 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 it's Chex Mix, it's Chex Mix. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. You know, and it turns out it's like a, tastes kind of like a Butterfinger, really. So it was pretty good. I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge fan of peanut buttery snacks all the time, but, but it was pretty good. And then, you know, just a couple days later, I was at Whitney's Christmas party at her work, and then some girl's just sitting there talking to guys. She's like, man, I really want some more of your trash. It's like, that was really good trash. What? And it turns out it's another Chex Mix. I mean, have you guys heard of some of these Chex Mix? Okay. Anybody else have some just crazy Chex Mix names? Okay. So, you know, so the Hebrews, they go out there and they're like, what is it? And that's what they, they call it. I mean, that's what it's called. It's called, what is it? Manna means, what is it? So you can just see it as they go out there and they're like, the first guy's like, hmm, what is it? Second guy comes out, it's delicious. The girl's like, we'll call it white stuff. We'll call it, no, he's like, no, I called it delicious first can't call it delicious first because oh, no 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 I was the first one I said what is it you know they're like what is it you know next guy comes out what is it yep what is it yeah no what is it what is it that's what I asked you first you know I mean there is just but they called it what is it it's manna it, manna means what is it so they're out there you know and Moses told them that there would always be enough. That every morning this stuff would come. They had never seen it before, and as far as I know, never seen it since. You know, but but uh, Moses told them it would come every morning, and they had a certain amount they were to gather for each person. And in the, he told them, "Don't save anything. Eat it all, but throw out what you don't eat, because there'll be more in the morning. You don't need to try to save it up." But you know, they obviously they just weren't that. They didn't have faith in it. They didn't trust it. So some of them stored it away anyway. And next morning when they woke up. You know, it had grown maggots and it stunk. You know, because they didn't listen and they were, they were still so busy they couldn't trust God that he would continue to take care of them. Even though he had just given them this stuff that nobody had ever seen before. They still didn't trust God that he would continue to provide. So they tried to hoard up the old stuff. 
And you know, once again, that's something we do in our lives. That we don't, that maybe we don't really believe that God's going to pour out His Spirit again. So we just try to hold on to, you know, what God did 10 years ago. And we don't trust Him that He's going to continue to move in us. But what God's got for us, the new wine that God's talking about, is inexhaustible. You know, wine, I mean, you know, if you want old wine, if you want an old bottle of wine, I mean, you got that wine takes, you know, maybe 20 years at the most, but, you know, between those ranges to, to age. And it's going to be, you know, you got to wait for it, first of all. If you have it, then you can drink it, but once you drink it, it's gone. And you want you know, you can drink, till, if everybody got old wine, it would be gone pretty quick. And then there would be no, new, no old wine for another 5, 10, 15 years. You know, it's not inexhaustible. It runs out, but what God's got will never run out. Well, God's got, you know, wine, wine is new every year. Grapes are harvested every year, and they make new wine all the time. And in fact, the new wine here, I mentioned before that I think wine in the Bible usually actually refers to wine, not grape juice. But new wine may actually refer to grape juice because it is the same word for wine and grape, ju- grape juice, but, and it, it's new, so it's fresh. So if it's, if it's grape juice or if it's new wine, either way, it's going to be just a lot, you know, and it's not, it's not something that's going to, you're going to finish it off this year and it's never back. God continues to prosper it, continues to grow it, you know, and God's going to continue to pour out His Spirit on us. So, get back to my notes here. Time. Next, a new wine is easily attainable. You know, old wine is going to be expensive. I mean, I don't know a lot about wine. I used to know more when I worked at a restaurant. You know, they would tell me everything. I didn't get to try anything because I wasn't even 18 yet. You know, much less 21. And, uh, but new wine is going to cost you quite a bit, you know. We... At that restaurant, you know, we'd serve maybe, you know, the cheapest glass was like $6 of new wine, not old wine. And, uh, you know, the older bottles, maybe just a couple years old, nicer brand, you know, would be like $100 a bottle. But if you really want old stuff, Greg, you probably know. I mean, what's, what's a, you never, okay. But, you know, it costs a lot more because, I mean, it's, it's aged, it's limited, it's for select people, you know. So, it's not easily attainable. You may not have money every time you go out to a restaurant to, you know, bring me out your best 95, you know? No. You probably don't have the money for that today, you know? I know I don't. I wouldn't even get their, you know, glasses if I was at a restaurant like that, you know? But, but the new wine, you know, isn't something, it's cheap. You can get, like I said, we get, when we get wine, we get like the $3 bottles. So it's like, you know, hundreds of dollars, $3, you know, yeah. We can afford that. Most people can afford $3, you know. And what God's got for you, not that what God's got for you is cheap, but it's easily attainable. Anyone can get it. You know, it's not, we sometimes try to think that what God's got is just for the, the select, the few, the proud, you know. The good people deserve God's wine, you know, God's spirit. But God hasn't done something that's for the elite. He hasn't done something that's for the few. He's done something for everybody. He wants everyone to have his spirit. He wants everyone to know him, to have his salvation. You know, the Bible talks about another parable that Jesus told about the wedding feast. And he told about a man who had invited all of his friends to come to a party for his, I believe it was his daughter's wedding. You know, and uh, so they invited them, and at the last minute, they all backed out. And, you know, I mean, how many of you guys have done that with church, maybe, that you're like, you invite a friend to church, and, you know, the majority of them probably just say, no, you know, I'm busy, or I, you know, I, Saturday night, I've got something going on. I think I'll probably have a hangover Sunday morning. Yeah, well, you know, but they always have an excuse. But maybe even worse, you know, when they tell you, yeah, I'll be there, I'll be there. And then Sunday morning, like 11 o'clock, you're just, I guess they're not coming, you know. Has that happened to anybody? 
Because if, if you're the ones that, you know, all of your friends, whenever you invite them, they're just like, yeah, I'll be there. They show up. Then you need to start inviting more people. Okay? But, you know, most people, you know, it's a little harder to get them to come maybe. And you invite them and they back out on you or they just say no. Well, this, that's what happened to this guy. He had invited all these people to come to this party. And then at the last minute, they all just backed out and said, we're not going to be coming. You know, we got, we got work. I'm tired. I, you know, and they all backed out. So he went out instead, and he sent his servants to go invite all the people off the streets. He said, you know, go to the highways, the byways. You know, you can go to the bad corners of town. You can go to the poor areas. You can go to the streets. Just invite anyone that will come. And that's what God's salvation is. God's salvation is for anyone that will take it. It's not for the cool people. It's not for the pretty people. It's not for your friends or the people you like being around. It's for everyone. Because God's all of the world that he gave his son. Not that God loved your friends so much. or not, not that God loved a model so much. You know, God loved everyone so much that he gave his son to die for them. So it's not for the select. It's for everyone. It's not something that you can't afford. It's readily available to you. You know? And that's the last thing is that God's new wine is readily available. Now, uh, I'm not talking to teenagers here. So, you know, you guys probably already know that the internet hasn't been around forever. Okay. You guys know that, right? Okay. Yeah, I think you guys probably remember. Okay. Now, I remember my first computer. I always loved computers. So when I was, actually, when I was in school, I would always, you know, play on the school's computers. They had some little, you know, really old-style games. You know, now they're all 3D. You run through everything, like 16 buttons. I, I can barely keep up with them. But, you know, back then it was like two buttons, you know, and you jump. And that was it. But, but there were computers, you know, they didn't even have Windows. They had a little shell, which was like a, another type of program like Windows, but it was just a simple menu so you could click a program. Most of them were school related. But we found a way to get out of it and, you know, get around into other games that they had taken off the menu and stuff. And, you know, I, I'd always mess around. I ended up crashing one of their computers. I don't even know how still, but it was almost beyond repair. And they just could not figure out how to get started again for a long time. I don't know, but this was when I was like seven, you know. <laughs> and so I always loved computers. And then one day I got my first computer and it was like, it didn't have, I'm, it didn't have Windows. It didn't have DOS. If you know what DOS is, it had, I don't know what it had. It was just a green and black screen. You could write letters on it and then turn it off and it disappeared, you know? Yeah. But I, I like, you know, switching it so it's green background and black writing. It's really fancy, you know? I just sit there in my room like a little spy, you know, eight-year-old spy, just writing all this stuff. And mom and dad are coming, save. No, it's gone forever. <laughs> you know, it's never come back. But, you know, then I got upgraded. Somebody gave me a computer that had DOS. DOS is, I don't know if any of you guys have seen it, but it's just, it's, instead of green and white, it's black and white. Yeah, it was a black and white monitor, too, so that's good. But, you know, and that, you'd type all of your commands, and you could actually play a few games, and I loved it, you know. Slowly got upgraded Windows 3.11, which was one step above my friend who only had 3.1, right? Exactly the same, honestly. Eventually, 95, and by the time I got, like, Windows 95, which was probably 98, you know, 1998, my friend, he'd had the internet, the worldwide interweb, okay? You know what I'm saying? And I, no, I didn't know what I was saying. I'd just seen movies, you know, about the internet at that point. It was like, you know, I'd seen Disney's movie, what was it, uh, Computer War Tennis Shoes, where this kid, you know, they brought the internet into his classroom, and it was all, you know, they showed him how it was hooked up all over the world so you get all this information. And he gets electrocuted by the computer and suddenly knows everything. So that's what I knew about the internet. And, uh, you know, so we're just, wow, it's the internet. Don't know what's on there, but it's cool. 
And then there was, you know, another movie, War Games, where he got in there and hooked up his computer and he, he started a nuclear war. I mean, you know, I, it wasn't really the internet, but I could dream. I could try. I mean, you know, I could try to start a nuclear war with my computer. I don't know. But, so, you know, he had the internet. We were so excited about that and we wanted, I wanted to try to get the internet, you know, but my parents couldn't afford it. So what we found was we had dial-up email. This was our first email and it, it would dial up. Okay, I mean, it's like a, a phone that sends letters. So, you know, but this is before text messages, okay? So, you know, you, you know, you had to hook up our computer, figure it all out, and then, you know, you hear the... One minute later, if you're lucky, you might have sent an email if the phone number wasn't busy. So, you know, maybe. And so that was fun. You know, we had email for a while. Finally, you know, we got internet. You know, internet, you know, first it's like dial-up. You know, you first get dial-up internet. And... My sister was trying to use dial-up this weekend at my aunt's house because nobody has dial-up anymore. I don't know. If you have dial-up, don't even raise your hand. Just be ashamed of yourself. My, my, my aunt still has dial-up, though. My sister was we were at her house for Christmas, and she got on there, tried to load a page for like half an hour. It never loaded. I mean, that's how slow it was. It just, it just does not hardly work. And now there's like, you know, DSL, which you load a page almost as fast as you can type. And then above that, there's Fios, which is about 10 times faster if you get a good package. And now beyond that, you don't even have to hook up anymore. You can get on wireless at your house, or you can get on wireless in the middle of the woods. Okay? Even better than that, I mean, come on, you don't even need a computer anymore. You got a phone. You got the world's information source in your pocket. You know, I mean, back then we were dialing up to send an email. Now, I mean, now you got it, everything right there. I mean... If Greg wants to check out something a pastor is saying, man, he's just on it right away. He doesn't have to look up a dictionary or an encyclopedia because Wikipedia is the first result he gets when he Googles it, you know? So the information is so different now. It's so readily available to people, whereas before you would have had to buy these things called books. Now it's all online. You, I mean, you can find almost anything. And, you know, I mean, you have to do a little work, but it's all there. It's readily available. And you know what? Whereas it may take you a little while to find old wine, new wine you can find about anywhere, you know. And what God's got, he's not saving up for one place. He's not saving it to be just in the church, not just to be in the church building. What he wants is he wants it to overflow in the streets. What he wants is he wants every person to be able to get it right now. Wherever you are, God is there. You know, God is ready for you to come to him. God is ready to pour out his spirit on you, you know. Maybe, I mean, if you haven't received the Holy Spirit yet, maybe, you know, maybe today's your day. Maybe, you know, maybe God wants to do it while you're at work because it doesn't have to be here at church. You know, God's Spirit is readily available at all times to us. You know, the things He wants to do, the thing He wants to do right now, I mean, He's got plans for your life for 20 years from now, you know, maybe. But that's not His new wine. His new wine's for today. You know, I'm not telling you to think about the things of the future that God's going to do in 20 years or the things that He did 20 years ago, but God's got something for you today. And you can grab onto that. And we need to be open and ready to listen to God and see, you know, God, what do you have for us today? You know, maybe, like I said, maybe today's your day to receive the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe he's actually got you waiting for something. Maybe he is going to fill you, but he wants, he wants a certain situation. But, you know, God has something for you today that he does want you to get. You know, God puts us in situations when we're at work, when we're out at the stores. And God has something that he wants for you. Now. So we don't want to hold on to the past. We don't want to be just sitting here waiting for the future to come, waiting for the things that we want in our timing right now. You know, we want God's timing in our lives. We want what God has for us right now.
You know, like I said, the new wine, it's not something different. It's not, it's not that suddenly we're going to start a cult here, you know, this church, and, you know, the church is now about passing out Kool-Aid, no. But, you know, God has something for you today. And, you know, it is a fresh outpouring of spirit. And, you know, while his message is the same, those ch the methods do change. So, I mean, we've got a new pastor coming. And, you know, if we want to receive what God's got for us in this new time, in this new year, you know, we've got to be open to what he wants to do. If God, if God suddenly decides to turn a corner that you haven't gone down before, are you going to say, no, thanks, God, I think I'll stay right here? Or are you going to follow him and trust him, that he's going to continue to provide, that he's not going to back out on you, you know? When he leads you to the valley of the shadow of death, are you going to follow him? Or are you going to say, no, I just want to stay up there by the streams, God? We want to be where God is. We want to be where God has for us today. And, you know, even when we go through the hard times, that he never leaves us, he never forsakes us, that he's always with us. So if we could go ahead and close our eyes right now, pray for just a minute. God, we know that you're here today, God. We know that you do have things for us, God, right now, God. We, we ask that you just begin to show us, God, the plans that you have for us. God, that you begin to pour out your spirit, God. God, that we wouldn't delay to come to you, God. That we wouldn't delay to, you know, knock and seek the things that you have for us, God. That we would, you know, seek your spirit, God. That we would seek your will for our lives, God. And it, God, that as we knock, you know, that you would open doors, God. God, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, God, I ask that you'd make them ready, God. That you'd make them ready to receive what you have for them. Because, God, you're right here. You're available. You're attainable. God, you're not going to cost them an arm and a leg. Sure, and you do want their lives, God. You guys can open your eyes for a minute. You know, while, while I said it's readily attainable, anybody can get it. You can all afford it. Everyone can afford what God has for you. But it will cost you something. You know, Jesus paid the real price when he died for you on the cross. But at the same time, when he gave you his life, he expects in return your life. It's, a mar it's like a marriage. That you can't just, the man can't just give his life to the woman. And the woman can't just give her life to the man. It has to be both for marriage to work, you know. And what God wants is he already gave you his life. And he took the painful part. But he wants you to give him your life. To trust him, have faith in him, follow him. So if there's anyone here today right now who does not know Jesus, hasn't given him their life, you know, Jesus died for you. He loves you so much. He'll love you forever. He'll never leave you. And he's got great things for you in store. So if you don't know Jesus right now, I just ask that you come down to the front. And I know that takes, you know, a little courage. I know that's not how you maybe always do it. Maybe it's different. But, you know, just trust God that, you know, if you take a step of faith toward him, that he'll come to you and he'll meet with you. You know, God is real. I've felt him in my life. You know, you can ask anybody here and they know that God is real, that he's loving, that knowing him is the best thing you'll ever experience. So I'm just going to give you a few seconds. If anyone doesn't know Jesus, that you go ahead and come down to the front. Pastor Noe and I will be praying for you. And while you think about that, we're just going to pray one more time and close out the service. God, God, we just thank you for things you're doing. God, we thank you again. We ask that you bless this new year, God, as it comes. God, that, God, that you give us you give us great plans, God, this year, that you bless our new pastor, Curtis, God, that as him and his family come, God, that you'd guide them and lead them, God, in the things you have for our church, that you bless everyone in this church, God, and let this be a good, prosperous year, God, a year when we trust you, a year when we follow you, God, 
and just have your way in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. You guys are dismissed. So. Enjoy your lunch. Enjoy your trash. Puppy chow. <laughs> <laughs>